Good evening. It's time for us to begin. Welcome to everyone, especially to any visitors we have. Greg Sullivan will have the uh, reading and prayer uh, at the appropriate time, and David Trevathan will close us out this evening in prayer. Our first song is number 93, Christ for the World We Sing. Let's, uh, let's stand while we sing this song. Verses 1, 3, and 4. Christ for the Songs number 154. 154. Give me the Bible. First, second, fourth verses. Give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming, to cheer the Shall I be in the narrow way? Free 
Scripture reading for this evening comes from 2 Peter, chapter 3, we'll be looking at verse 18. 2 Peter 3, verse 18. This is from the New International Version. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we just come to you this time, Father, thanking you for this another opportunity you've blessed us with to come here and worship you. Just pray, Father, the things that um, we do here, Father, brings glory and honor to your name. Father, we're mindful of the ones that are sick, that are shut in, Father. Just continue to be with them, Father, just pray that we can, we can reach out to them and comfort them in any way that we can. Father, we're also are mindful of the ones that are battling cancer in this congregation. Father, we have quite a few on our list. Father, just ask you to be with the doctors and the nurses that tend to them. Father, we got many activities coming up in, in, in the summer. Um, you know, summer is very busy for a lot, a lot of us, and Father, just pray that um, we always will make time for you and, and put you first in all that we do. Father, just ask for a special blessing for those that are traveling to Scotland um, to help spread your word. Father, just pray that um, it is a successful trip. Father, we're mindful um, also of our VBS that's coming up soon. Father, I just pray that we can use it as an outreach here in our community and we can bring others to you. Father, just thank you for everything that you do for us and continue to be with us as we go throughout this service. Forgive us of the sins we've committed. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Our song of invitation is number 761. If you're using the book, I'm going to mark that, 761. And before Chris's lesson, we'll stand and sing number 658. 658, there's much to do. There is much to do. There's work on every hand. Hark the cry for help comes ringing through. Jesus calls for reapers, I must act in thee. What will thou, O Master, hear and listen be? Here am I. Lord, send me. Here am 
Good evening. For those of you that are interested, we're leaving uh, the building here on May 26th at 11.30 so if, uh, for, to go to Scotland, to go to the Charleston Airport. So if you would like to stop by and say a prayer with us and send us off, that would be great. We'll meet here at 11.30 and, uh, and be gone by 12.30. So that's the plan for uh, May 26th. So this morning I kind of teased out that we were talking about the spiritual disciplines tonight. These are things that have, they're not new. They've been around for a long, long time. In fact, Jesus himself practiced all of these things. So that's, that's an interesting tidbit that we probably need to tease out over the, the time span here. But one of the things that I wanted to start off with us thinking through is, what does your spiritual condition look like? If, if your faith had a body, what would that body look like? Would it, would it look like a bodybuilder? Or would it look very anemic and skinny and very thin and pale? I think a lot of us think that, well, maybe our, our, spiritual, our spirituality, our faith would be very big, but we haven't stopped to think so much about it. And maybe the case would be that it would be much thinner, much more anemic than, than what we were picturing in our heads when we first start thinking about it. Spiritual disciplines are how you grow up inside of Christ. They are what matures you. Um, the Bible talks a lot about them. Uh, flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 32 with me. Deuteronomy 32. Uh, Deuteronomy is all about the, the re-giving of the law. Right before the children of Israel enter into the promised land again, you know, the first time they, they tried it and it didn't, it didn't work out because that initial generation didn't have enough faith in God. Though they had seen the miracles, though they had seen him uh, do the ten plagues in Egypt, though they had seen the crossing of the Red Sea, though they had been fed by manna and, uh, and uh, uh, quail in the wilderness for 40 years, none of that seemed to matter. They were not faithful. They were disloyal. And so they don't get to come into the promised land because of a lack of trust in God. And so now they have all died with the exception of Moses. And Moses is re-giving the law that God gave to the children of Israel at Mount Sinai there in Exodus chapter 20 to this new generation. He's giving it to their children. And so he repeats the law. If you've ever read through Deuteronomy, it sounds in places an awful lot like uh, Leviticus, Numbers, uh, because he is retelling the law in this section. And so he's retelling them all, all the things that God would have them to know. What I find just really interesting is in verse 47, starting in verse 44, I suppose. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 44, toward the end of this second retelling of the law, Moses wants to burn the importance of God's word into this second generation's hearts. This is something they need to not ever forget. God's word is powerful. Had their fathers remembered that, they would have gone into the land without a second thought. Because God has already said, I will be with you. Be strong and courageous. He's going to tell Joshua that exact same thing later on as Joshua takes over the mantle of leadership for Israel. He's going to say it something like five or six times in Joshua chapter 1. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. And so Moses is going to go over this word of the Lord. He's going to remind him how powerful it is. We need 
a similar reminder in our lives. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 44. Moses came and recited all the words of this song in the hearing of the people, he and Joshua, the son of Nun. And when Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take heart, take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law, for it is no empty word for you. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? This is no empty word to you. This is not fruitless. This is not vain. This is not, this is useful. It's no empty word for you, but your very life. This is what makes up your life, right? God's word, it's your very life. And by this word, you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. Now, this is a much more literal prophecy to them than it is to us, obviously. They're going to the land. If they don't obey God's commands, they will be destroyed. Uh, They will be kicked out of this land. For us, we need to see this in a a metaphorical, figurative meaning, I suppose. It's the best way to look at it. God's word is important. Don't miss out on how important it is. We have access to scripture at our fingertips, right? Most of you have it in your pocketbooks or your, or your, uh, your pockets, right? You have 15 laying in your house somewhere. We have access to it all the time, so it almost comes off sometimes, at least can come off as very frivolous. Since we have such ease, easy access to it, we don't treasure it. We take it for granted sometimes, don't we? If we had to fight for it a whole lot more, it would be much more precious to us. There wouldn't be any taking it for granted. But here we are, living a comfortable life, and God's Word is not always as treasured and as cherished as it ought to be. Flip over to Third John. Go from the front of the Bible to the back of the Bible. Third John, and this concept is found all throughout Scripture of God's Word and the importance of it and our, the necessity of us uh, diving into it and learning it and loving it. While you're turning over there, let me throw this principle out to you. If your child was starving, you would reserve your food for them, right? You would starve so that they could eat. The principle of does not hold true spiritually. If you are not who you ought to be. If you're not steeped in the word of God, your children will starve. Spiritually speaking, you have to be the one who is steeped in the Bible, steeped in God's words, so that you can pass that down to them. Uh, This is something that you learn. This is not something you're born with. This is a learned habit. This is a learned trait. And over the next several weeks, we're going to go through the several of the spiritual disciplines. We're going to take them one by one and we're going to talk about how you do them, maybe some, some tips and tricks to, to do these things well, um, to, to grow up in these things because we're not very good at them. What we need to know is you can't pass on something that you don't already have. Spiritually speaking, you can't pass on something you don't already have. We all want our kids to thrive, Right? We all want our kids to do well. It's tough to pass on something 
that you don't already have. That's especially true in Scripture. Third John chapter 1, verse 2. John writes, Beloved, I pray that, you, that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Have you ever read through that verse? Listen to it again. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. What do you think John's trying to say there? What do you think John's trying to say? Here's what I think he's saying. I think he's saying, may your physical health be the exact representation of your spiritual health. May you be doing exactly as well physically as you are spiritually. So let me post that question to you. Are you doing as well physically as you are spiritually? Is there a correlation there? What if you're struggling physically, but your faith is taken off? Right? John's saying, I think, something very much akin to this idea of he's praying, he's wanting their physical health to be as amazing as their spiritual health. But that brings the question down to us, how is our spiritual health? And if there was a correlation between these two, how sick would you be? Or how well would you be? Some of you would be jumping hurdles, wouldn't you? Some of the rest of us would be struggling, wouldn't we? Spiritual health. It's kind of what we're talking about over the next several weeks. Flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. You ever gotten into something that was difficult and a, and a daily task, something that you do every day, say uh, getting up early to go work out or, or running? I used to run a lot in college. You can't tell it anymore, but I used to run a lot in college. And, uh, and I would run at, in the evenings, uh, and it was every day, run a couple miles every day. You know, after, after a while, it just kind of became a drudgery. Uh, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't really know why I was doing it. Uh, I did it a lot because my friends did it, and I had a group of guys that we would go work out together, and we'd go run together. And, but after a while, I just kind of, just kind of lost the purpose, I guess. I didn't, I didn't really enjoy it anymore. I didn't really know where I was trying to go. I wasn't trying to lose weight. I was just kind of, kind of just doing it to do it. Maybe some of you have experienced the same kind of things as you read through your Bibles, maybe like on a yearly basis. You try to read through Scripture and you kind of get to maybe Leviticus or, or Deuteronomy and you think, why am I doing this again? It kind of gets hard, right? You kind of lose your purpose. So what's, what's our purpose for these spiritual disciplines? Where are we going? Because if you don't know exactly what the purpose is, you're going to struggle with these things. Here's two reasons why. Spiritual disciplines. <laughs> when you say the word spiritual, you automatically understand these things are tough to quantify. You don't know when you've arrived. Uh, how do you know when your prayer life is good? How do you know when your Bible study is good? How do you know when you've spent enough time in solitude? 
Like Jesus spent 40 days and nights by himself. Do I need to do that? On, and how often do I need to do that if I, if I need to do that? When have I achieved this, this goal? So the, the spiritual difficult, the spiritual disciplines are difficult because they're hard to quantify. Because anything spiritual is hard to quantify. It's hard to put a, an end date on it or when you've reached the goal. These things are tough to quantify. So we struggle for that reason, but we also struggle with their, their disciplines, right? We don't, we don't like an awful lot of things that are disciplines. Um, getting up early, going, working out, running, uh, financial disciplines, uh, just kind of any kind of discipline, punishment as a child. Um, we don't like those things. We, we tend to shy away from those things. And this is one of those things that is, is hard. Spiritual disciplines are hard. They are difficult. There's no, there's no shading that. These things are, are hard. But you stick with them and they pay off dividends. They pay off big. These are what grow you up. They are what mature you inside of Christ. And you must grow. Standing still, staying, uh, having a static faith isn't enough. We have to grow. Or we'll be dying, right? And so we have to be about these things, but they are difficult. They're hard to keep up with. Discipline. It's tough, right? And so we struggle with these things, and especially we struggle with them if we don't know where we're going, right? You ever gotten in a car, uh, headed somewhere, and halfway through you were listening to a song or listening to a podcast and think, whoop. That was my road back there. You lost your focus, right? So easy to do with spiritual disciplines. Because this is a day-in, day-out discipline. It's hard, but it's worth it. But you've got to keep your focus intact. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 7. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7. He says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This is that say, this, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So what's your purpose? What's the purpose behind Spiritual, spiritual disciplines, godliness. You're trying to become more like him. Every day, you're moving the barometer a little bit closer to Christ-likeness. And that's difficult. Like we say, there's no, there's no easy way to get around this. In our culture, we kind of like things that are simple, things that are fast. We like things that um, I can get done in a day, a week, a month. I like an end goal, right? There's no end goal with the spiritual disciplines. Once you think you've arrived, there's just one more line <laughs> to set. There's, there's more still to learn. And, and we keep on going after that because we're going after godliness. That's not something we ever achieve, but something that we grow into. So these things demand discipline. They demand um, 
hard work. You ever noticed the Olympians as the Olympics roll around? Uh, you'll start seeing these pictures of these Olympians and as they compete and all the things, uh, all the different activities that they're involved with. You start hearing these, these guys and their, their regiments. Uh, they have eating regiments. They have sleeping regiments. They have working workout regiments, right? You hear all about this stuff and you think, what, what do they do? Like, what, what, what is their job? They don't have a job. <laughs> they, they work out and they eat, right? And they go to sleep and they get up in the morning and they do it all over again, right? The disciplines, these spiritual disciplines will take up your life and they are so, so worth it. We have to grow. It's not, it's not a, uh, it's a necessary thing. It's not a, an option. You have to do it. Turn to Second Peter, chapter one. Second Peter, chapter one. Verses three through four. Second Peter chapter one, three through four. Listen to what Peter says. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us in his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Where's the power come in this? As you work through the spiritual disciplines, he talks about godliness here and uh, us growing in that. But where's the power come at in this? It's not in you, is it? He doesn't talk about you, does he? As we walk through these spiritual disciplines, I think there's a very real threat to us when we start thinking, oh, I, I do these things and I'll get the end goal. If I do this, then I'll get this. this. You're a part of this, but you're not the whole part of the spiritual disciplines. Go back and look at what Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 3-4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Uh, and he says, by which he has granted to us his great and precious promises. God is working here in the middle of these spiritual disciplines. You're partnering, partnering with God to mature yourself, right? The onus is not on you. The power is not in you. But you're putting yourself in a posture, a mindset, so that God can grow you. I think that's really important. Uh, listen to what he says in Colossians 1, verse 29. Colossians 1, 29. Paul says this, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. He's talking about growing others. And he says, he uses a really interesting word here, toil, right? It's not a word we use very much anymore. When was the last time you toiled? (laughs) I don't toil very often, but Paul says he does. He toils, and intrinsic in that word is this idea of sweat, hard work, sweat equity. Paul says, I'm working so hard, but what? For this I toil, struggling with all whose energy? 
His, God's energy, that what happens? He works powerfully within me. And so you put forth the effort. You work the spiritual disciplines. They put you in a mindset so that God can do His work as He grows you into the person that He wants you to be. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Just a couple books back. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says this to the Philippian congregation. He says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God's working in you, and he's not done yet, right? He's the, mo- he's the, he's the, the locomotion behind your growth. You put yourself in a posture, a mindset, so that this growth can happen by the spiritual disciplines. You work these things. You hold up your end of the bargain, and guess what? God holds up his end of the bargain as well. He begins to mature you, and he's working on all of us right now. I don't know if you've ever been to South Dakota or not, but there's a, uh, a statue there. Um, it's a couple miles away from Mount Rushmore. I don't know if you've ever seen it or not. It's, uh, it's a statue of Crazy Horse. It's on my bucket list. I wanna, we want to go see it hopefully uh, soon. But uh, the next 25 years maybe is soon. I don't know. It's, I looked it up. It's 20 hours from here, so soon is relative, I suppose. Anyhow, uh, so I want to go see this crazy horse statue. Do you, they've been working on it for 70 years. The guy, have you ever heard of this? The guy that built Rushmore, the guy that carved out Rushmore, uh, started building Crazy Horse's uh, memorial. Uh, and then he, he died and he set up this fund. And so now you can go and you can see the Crazy Horse statue uh, but it's, it's not done, and it's not going to be done for a very, very long time. But by the time it is done, it will dwarf Mount Rushmore. Um, I think Rushmore is like 60 feet tall. The, the faces are like 60 feet tall. This thing's like 260 feet tall. That's gargantuan. The point being that it's still in progress. It's been 70 years. The spiritual disciplines are a lot like that. You put in the work. Like Paul would say, he, he toils. This is hard, right? You toil, you put in your end of the bargain, you put in the work, and God grows you up into who he wants you to be. This is how this works. This is how you grow up inside of Christ. We talk about that an awful lot. This is how, this is how it works. Um, so we put ourselves in this posture so that we can grow up inside of him. Flip over to Luke chapter 2. This will be our last one. Last verse for today. Luke chapter 2. Verse 52. Luke 2, 52. You're aware of this verse, I'm sure. I'm just going to use it as a little motivation for us. Luke 2, verse 52. He says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You're familiar with that verse, right? And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. And man, did Jesus come out of the womb knowing Scripture? It's a tough question, right? He is God. Did he come out of the womb 
knowing all these things? Luke 2.52 indicates that the answer is no, that there was at least some amount of work on his part to grow. He increased in wisdom and in stature, right? Stature is his growth, like physical. But this wisdom, and then he talks about in favor with God. What do you think he means by that? I think he means Jesus has been working the spiritual disciplines. We know that Jesus spent 40 days out of the wilderness by himself. What was he doing when he was out there? Because solitude is a spiritual discipline. So he's doing that one. But he's also praying, isn't he? Which is another spiritual discipline. We know that Jesus knows Scripture. So at somewhere along the line, he had to have memorized sections of Scripture, didn't he? I don't think he automatically knew these things. I think he learned at least some of them. Interestingly enough, by the time he's 12, he's standing in the temple talking to the religious elites and he's confounding them. So somewhere along the lines from 1 to 12, Jesus has been taking in, internalizing these disciplines to the point that he can confound the religious elites, the teachers of his day. I don't think it's all because he was God. I think he learned some of this stuff. I think Luke 2.52 is, is pretty clear there. Point being, if Jesus did it, so are you. If he had to do it, so will you. Put in the work. We're going to talk about how to get through some of these things. I wanted to use this first lesson to kind of kick this off, to, to encourage us to kind of open our eyes. Because I think a lot of times we, we start thinking through these spiritual disciplines and we think, all right, I understand, I know I need to grow, right? I'm really excited about learning how to grow because I don't really know how to do that. And I sit down and I read my Bible and I start in Genesis and I just can't get through Leviticus. And I'm kind of struggling on how to pray because I don't, I can't stay awake when I pray, you know? And like there's, there's all these things that we struggle with, with the spiritual disciplines. So we're like, I want to know how to do these things. My word for you for this lesson is stick with it. Stick with it. These things are incredibly important. God's word is powerful. What does he say about it? It's like a double-edged sword, right? Sharp. It's able to, to pierce my heart. It's also able to pierce other people's hearts. It's able to convict me of sin. It's able to teach me. Uh, it's able to, to, to reprove me, to correct me. It's powerful, right? But when I go to try to work these disciplines, sometimes I get frustrated, right? You've been there? Because they're difficult. And I lose focus. And I move on to something else. Something that's more like uh, a get spiritual quick deal. Like a get rich quick deal. Get spiritual quick. And that's just not how it works. These things were not meant to be learned overnight. They were meant to be learned over a lifetime. How much ever life we have left, they were meant to be inserted into that daily practice over the span of a lifetime. And that's how we grow up inside of Him. It's easy to lose focus, though. So 
I'm hoping that this lesson encouraged you to, to kind of focus, to don't get discouraged as you, as you walk through some of these spiritual disciplines. We'll have some, or we'll call them this, but tips and tricks, like some practical applications for how to go about doing these a variety of disciplines as we walk through each series, each, each one of these lessons each week. I'll give you some practical applications of how you can better do these things. But we're going to have to stick with it because these things are learned over the long haul. You don't learn these things in a month. You don't learn these things in a year. It takes time. And we just have to be faithful stick with it. Because God's going to do His part, right? This is a partnership. I'm faithful to show up and I'm faithful to do these things. I'm faithful to pray. I'm faithful to read the Bible. I'm faithful to spend some time by myself thinking about Him. I'm faithful to meditate. If I'm faithful in these things, He'll hold up His end of the deal. He'll be faithful no matter what. If I meet Him, then we can partner and I can grow up inside of Christ. But i got to stick with it. I can't get um, unfocused. And so these things are important. We're going to have to stick with them. If Jesus did it, I'm going to have to do it too. And so, that's what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks is how you do these, these disciplines. we got seven or eight of them, I guess. We're going to try to walk through and what does that look like and how do I do it? How do I do it well? How do I stick with it? Um, things like that. But I think if we stick with these things, then eventually you'll see some progress. It's kind of like going to the gym. You go to the gym on Monday. Tomorrow you start your, your new workout regimen, right? At the, uh, at the camp we were at this weekend, there was this big hill, and every time I was walking up that hill, I thought, oh, <laughs> I need to work out more, right? I need to start walking or something because this hill is horrible. Tomorrow, you go to the gym, you start working out, you go home and you think, oh, I can see some new definition in my arms, right? Is that how it works? No. A month from now, you go back and you think, oh, I think I've lost a pound or two, right? Two years from now, you can, see the, you can see the effects. Ten years from now, you can really see the effects. Spiritual disciplines are the exact same way. You've got to stick with them. So don't lose hope. Stick with these things. You be faithful in your side, and God will absolutely be faithful in His side. He will show up. He will complete the work that he has started in you. I want to I want to finish with Ephesians chapter 3. This is such a powerful verse. And while while you're flipping over there Ephesians chapter 3, I want you to be thinking about the spiritual body that you want. Um, big and muscular and strong and not anemic at all and it's solid, right? You want to be the spiritual giant that we all want to be, right? Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 20. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The picture you have in your mind of the spiritual giant that you can become is nowhere near the potential you have inside of Christ because he can grow you beyond that point infinitely. What's he say? 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, he's capable of doing so much more than you and I can think or even ask. So that spiritual giant that you have in your mind, praying 10 hours a day, that seems crazy, right? God can do more than you ever ask or think. He's capable of doing these things. We have to be faithful to show up and work. We toil and he holds up his end of the bargain and we mature inside of Christ. This evening, maybe you need to be baptized. That starts your walk with him. That's your first step into life inside of Christ. It washes away your sins. It adds you to the church and you become on this road to maturity. Maybe you've already made that decision tonight and you just need the prayers of this congregation to stick with it, to stay on the road that leads to maturity, that leads to Christ, that leads to salvation. If you have any need tonight, why don't you come as we stand and sing. Good evening, church family. A couple of announcements before we are dismissed. Um, as a reminder, Vacation Bible School is June 5th through the 9th. Um, if you can help out with that, please sign up on the four-year board. Also, Fort Hill is July 3rd through the 9th. Uh, the 15th was the last day for in order for you to sign up to get the discount. Um, also, remember to continue to keep Jennifer Baker in your prayers, Jim Haney and Vicki Bowen and Caroline Devaney. 
uh, in your daily prayers this week as well. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. If you had not had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, it has been prepared in the conference room. You may leave and do that now. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. 253, first and last verses of How Shall the Young Secure Their Heart. How shall the young secure their hearts and guard their lives from sin? Thy word, the choicest rules impart to go to God in prayer at this time. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so blessed to be able to worship you this this morning and this evening, Lord. Lord, continue to be with us in our daily lives, Lord, that we may reach souls and save the lost, Lord. Be with us as we evangelize to our co-workers, our neighbors, our friends, Lord. Always let your light shine. Lord, just continue to be with our our study life, our prayer life, Lord. Let's be diligent about it, Lord. That way we can grow stronger in you, Lord. That we will grow mature in you, Lord. That that uh, we will be able to always be able to defend you. Lord, be with us the rest of this week, Lord. Let us always be encouragement to others. Lord, just as you are encouragement to us. Be with us now. Forgive us, Lord, when we do fall short. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen.